0: Welcome to Wednesday night Bible study, uh, Acts of the Apostles, part 14. We will uh, be in Acts chapter 16 tonight, per your outline. I just want to remind you, if you're listening to this by podcast, right next to the podcast, there's a little link there that you can click on, and it will bring up uh, my notes there, so that you can follow along. But also remember that the sanctuary is open, so you can come back into the sanctuary and uh, be here live as we do this presentation. So uh, where we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks is Paul's second missionary journey where we finished up last week was Paul's first missionary journey and now we're going to be going into his second missionary journey and at the top of your page there it says Acts chapter 15 verse 36 to 18 22. That's all of Paul's second missionary journey, which we're going to be looking at here, all these places here that, he, that he's going to. Uh, so we'll be looking at this for the next couple couple of weeks, so we'll make Paul's second missionary journey. Okay? So uh, let me open up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you again for this time and bringing us together, the Lord, we ask that you uh, You open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our heart to receive what it is that you have for us in the Acts of the Apostles, what it means to us individually and corporately as a body of Christ, Lord. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the teacher here, that you guide us, and provoke us to thought, question, response, uh, whatever it is that we need, uh, you know, so that uh, you guide our conversation here tonight. So I thank you for those that are here, those that are listening to your podcast. Lord, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, Acts chapter 15, 16. I'll be reading verses 1 to 5. Someone's going to be introduced to us here. Chapter 16, verse 1 to 5. It says, And he came to Derby and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in uh, Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been Decided upon by the Apostles and elders who in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. So if you remember from last week, you know, the first missionary journey, they went, they came back, they gave a report. uh, And then they they had a report that some of the churches uh, were being told you have to become a Jew first and then before you can become a Christian. And that's when the letter to the Galatians was written, uh, written by Paul on that. And we kind of went through that last week uh, where, where it talks about that, you know, uh, that we uh, we come to to Christ through faith, not by works of the law or anything like that. So what we have here is a little bit of what seems might be a contradiction to that because we're introduced to Timothy in verse 1. It's the same Timothy... Uh, 1st and 2nd Timothy he's going to be a young pastor that Paul's going to be writing to he's someone that Paul uh, he'll he'll be coming up more and more but he's someone that Paul had great affection for and that Paul used in a great way and he mentored him and so when he writes 1st and 2nd Timothy he's writing to uh, someone that he knows as a mentor he's mentoring him Uh, but it's a good pastoral uh, uh, epistle so here, Timothy is is uh, is named. And now, remember, I always tell you, Scripture will give you the information that you need, but sometimes we have to dig a little behind the information. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have to know the manners and the customs. We have to know Judaism. We have to know uh, a little understanding of the Greeks, uh, the Romans, how they handled and did things. So... It says to Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Okay, then it says, he was well spoken of by the brethren who knew him. And then verse 3, Paul wanted this man to go with him, took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now this sounds like a contradiction to what we heard last week. Because now here he's, he's, he's circumcising him as a custom of the Jews. And, but yet his letter to the Galatians is saying, Why are you doing uh, that stuff? How did you come to faith? Because you d- did the commandments? Or because of faith? But yet here he's got Timothy, and he's doing a Jewish custom on him. That's a little bit of tension. Right? Sounds like a contradiction. Is it?
1: It is, but if, is it
2: because of where he was? Because the Jews were kind of like uh, looking down on him because he was half-breed and was part Greek?
0: Yeah, you have to understand it in that context. And you have to understand the context that if two people in a relationship if they're both Jews then the kid obviously is Jewish if, if 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 the father is Jewish and the mother is not Jewish the child is not looked upon as being Jewish because what they say is you have to be nurtured in the mother's womb so his mother's Jewish so but he wasn't raised and the customs that a normal Jewish child would be. And so, because he's going to be going places, and obviously because he's earmarked by Paul uh, to do something, and he's going to be dealing with the Jews, he's going to be dealing with them, he doesn't want to have, in a sense, this little stumbling block for them, and say, well, why should I listen to him? He wasn't whatever, yada, yada. So he, he does this. So what you get here is the idea that Paul is somewhat flexible in respect to Jewish traditions as long as it doesn't violate the gospel in other words he's not saying here Timothy you're going to be circumcised because you have to do this to be a Christian that's not not what's going on he's doing something that should have been done uh, as as a child for him and because you're going to be going out and you're going to be dealing with other other Jews, he was doing this as a, as a matter of, of custom, you know. So it wasn't, it, there's nothing in here that gives us the indication that it's related to salvation. And none of that. His mother's already a believer. Uh, his father's a Greek. And so that's kind of what's going on in that particular passage there. It's more of uh, kind of uh, uh, just doing things that need to be done within the family. In let's see. And then verse 4. Now while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Ju- Jerusalem for them to observe. Remember last week, they were in Jerusalem and they were explaining about all these things and they said, well, let's send letters to them. In other words out of Jerusalem, they're saying, okay, let's make sure that these churches are now being established, they know A, B, C, D, E. Uh, the essentials of Christianity. Uh, and so, right now you have a very young church, a very early church, a very simple church. So the questions and the problems aren't real big but as the church gets bigger the church, the questions will change for example I believe it's next week we're going to get into it when he goes up to Thessalonica and the problem up there is the question is now becomes well if Jesus is supposed to return and they thought Jesus was going to return in their lifetime what happens to those people that die before Jesus returns so that's why Thessalonians was written, and it goes into some end time stuff there, and it talks about meeting in the air, and all that. We'll get to it next week. We'll, we'll we'll break it down. But you see, as you get farther into Christianity, and questions and different things arise, then you need to counter them. You need to you need to meet those questions, as opposed to like 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 uh, uh, then later on. The question will be, uh, in the second century and stuff, how do you baptize? And is it okay to baptize children or not baptize children? And, and what age? And this and that. And, then, you know, a lot of these different things come in. So this is the point of having strong eldership, strong teachers, strong leaders. Uh, also having a, 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 a set of doctrines and beliefs that you must have. Um, so that you know that it is Christianity. Because again, if those, in in a few weeks, when we get to Romans, whenever we get to Romans, it might be after, uh, after the holidays, but when we get to Romans, you're going to see Paul breaks down and does all those doctrines, all those essential statements, all those things that, this is what you must confess as a Christian. You know? You know all the, all the all the all the doctrine statements so the these decrees were decided upon for them to observe in verse 5 and so the churches were being strengthened because now they were knowing what their faith was about stronger right the essentials in Christianity the faith and were increasing in number daily it's kind of like the idea of somebody could be Preaching the gospel, but if they're not preaching about sin, if they're not preaching about hell, if they're not teaching about repentance, then they're only getting half the message. So, you know, this is why you need the teachers and the strong guys. Okay, here's the gospel. Here's the whole message. That's just part of it. You have to, you have to talk about sin. You have to talk about hell. You have to talk about repentance. That's all part of uh, of the gospel message. So, any thoughts, questions on that? It's kind of a manners and customs issue there. It's not a doctrine issue um, as what was going on in Galatians. Galatians, it was a doctrine issue. You're saying you have to do this. You can't be a Christian unless you do these things. Okay? So, again, this is also, just chase a rabbit real quick. This is kind of where you have that flexibility inside of Christianity. For example, worship styles. Worship styles are not doctrine statements. We're all worshiping the same God, so it doesn't matter if your style is to sit down. It doesn't matter if your style is to stand up. It doesn't matter if your style is to raise one hand, two hands, or sing and dance or whatever. You know, uh, uh, that's 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 worship styles. Those aren't 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 uh, um, things that affect the outcome of salvation. Those are you know. Whether whether your door is on the side of the church or the front or the people leave out of the side or what kind of donuts you have after. That's that's outside of doctrine statements. So again, Paul here shows us there's a little leeway in there. But you do not violate doctrine. You do not violate sound teaching. Okay, that has to be there. Okay, verse 6 to 10. and they passed through uh, Phrygian, Phrygian, I forget how to pronounce that, Phrygian, and Galatian region, having been been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Mm. Mm. God doesn't like Asians?
2: No,
0: not true. Not true, okay. Not to speak the word in Asia, and when they came to uh, Ma- Messiah. They were trying to go to Bethania, and the spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Messiah they came down to Tros. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when they had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So the question is, why did God forbid them to go to those other places? Why? So again, you have to ask questions of Scripture and then, then you start looking for the answer and then you start understanding what's going on you know this was this, this is Turkey here but part of this stuff up in here was also part of, considered part of Asia Minor and you have these big cities and things up in here uh, Cappadocia, Caesarea Galatians are all up in here Um These were more established trade routes and stuff up in here. And uh, these places here were a little more out of the way. They were smaller cities, smaller villages, smaller towns. And so it's not that God was saying, no, you're not going to go to them. Because Paul's missionary journey, he goes there. He goes there later. The the church goes there. But it's like right now, let's go this way. Let's do this. We're going to hit the smaller places. And as you go later, then you're going to hit the fishing ports and the, and, the, and the ports of call and stuff like that. It's almost like, okay, let's start out slow and soft. We're going to gain momentum as we do this. So it's not that he doesn't say, I, you're not going to go to Asia. That That's not the point. He says, this is the way I want you to go. God's plan, obviously, here was go to those churches because he says, and when he had seen the vision, verse 10 immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We're saying this is what God wants us to do. Now, but again, gospel. Remember last week I told you, wherever you see gospel, you want to underline it in your Bible, because what is the church supposed to be teaching and preaching? The The gospel. Not health and wealth and prosperity and all that. God will add to you. God will give to you. God will... That's not sermon against any of that stuff it's just the sermons are not to be about that, the sermons have to be about the doctrine statements, the beliefs in Christianity uh, and, and the gospel, that's what we're called to do, God will add all those things, God will prosper us God will take care of but that's not our focus, that's an addition to, that's what God will mobilize and give us to be able to go and do, we just do the gospel Okay. Thoughts, questions, any of that? Okay. Now he goes to Philippi, verse sixteen, uh, chapter sixteen, verse eleven. He's in Philippi. The letter of to the Philippians is not being written yet. That comes later. <clears throat> Acts sixteen, verse eleven. Therefore, putting out to sea from Troas, we ran a straight course to. Soma thrace. So, you know, he's going over here. He went through all of this stuff, and here's all of this, and here's the chohas, and he come right over here, from the ocean, right to there. Now see, this is the thing with Scripture. When you're reading Scripture, you don't realize how much they traveled <laughs> in a few verses until you really look at it on a map and say, well, wait a minute, now they're over here. How many weeks and months did it take to do that to get over here? We're just reading it. And we think it's it's one day to the next day. No. Sometimes it's 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 weeks or it's months and he's going through there. So when it says they're strengthening the churches in the region, that means they're going through and, and passing through a lot of a lot of stuff. If there's something important that needs to be brought out, it will be brought out in Scripture. So therefore putting out to sea from Trohas ran straight course to uh, Thrace, and on the day following to Napolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. Now this is important. They went to Philippi, a leading city in the district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony. Put that in your back pocket for a second. Verse 13, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside, and there were supposing there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to a woman, to the woman who had assembled. And a certain woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Now this is where Lydia is introduced. You'll hear about her later. Uh, she's the woman, you know, uh, uh, she helps establish the church there. But a couple things here. Who's the author of Acts? Luke. Luke. He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. Luke is from Philippi. So this is this is his hometown where they're at. So he's he's writing about his hometown here. That's why he says it's a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. Staying there for some days, you know, in the Riverside, we're sitting there, and this woman comes. And her name, verse fourteen, her name was Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics. Purple fabrics were royalty. That's that's you know, uh, royalty purple is a royal color, and to make a purple fabric, you had to make it from a certain. Uh, A snail shell, and and uh, off the Mediterranean there, and it took a long time, and so the fabrics were expensive. So not knowing that, you just think, oh, the lady made a bunch of purple stuff. She liked purple things. No, she made very expensive things, and she she obviously had a, I don't know if she had a shop or whatever, but this was not an ordinary deal here this was someone who made fabrics with this purple linen and she was a worshiper of god it doesn't say she was a believer see when it says now a believer they're talking about a believer in jesus christ as lord and savior it says here she was a worshiper of god so she's worshiping yahweh the old testament god right and she was listening and the lord opened her heart now this is important when you're sharing the gospel, who opens their heart? You. The Lord does. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is just to deliver the message and God is the one who opens the heart. That's why if if they reject what you're saying, don't get all too bent up about it because Jesus said, don't get bent up about it. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. <laughs> he says, but it's not you that they're rejecting. It's me. Okay? So God is the one who opens the heart So, God opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So, here you had someone who knew of God, but it still took the Holy Spirit to open her heart to respond to the gospel that Paul was preaching. Okay? So, again, this is evangelizing people that know God or they might go to a different type of church or I was talking to somebody just, just, just not too long ago about about you know different types of churches and there's cults and things, you know, as you talk to them, God opens their heart to hear what you are saying the truth you know, in the way and then verse 15 it says and she and her household had been baptized uh and her household had been baptized, and she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay, and she prevailed upon them. Another little clue here. It says it says she and her household this doesn't necessarily mean talking about husband and kids and all that stuff. It could be mean her servants. And then she asked them to stay at her house, which means she had a very large house for, you know, Paul and Timothy and you know, whoever else was with them to stay. Most people did not have room for the couple of grown men, you know, to stay. They just had one room, little little deals. So here again, really you clue. Know, this is a woman of, of of wealth and position in that uh, uh, area there. So we've, Timothy's introduced. Uh, Lydia's introduced. Questions, comments. Verse sixteen. And it happened that as they were going to the place of prayer, a certain slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. She had a spirit of what?
2: Divination.
0: Divination. Now, divination, as it's translated in Hebrew in the Old Testament, divination means witchcraft. Here, divination, as it's translated in Greek, uh, can also mean witchcraft, but it actually means serpent or ventriloquist, which is kind of kind of interesting the way you you know that word developed. And so the idea here is that uh, the idea is a serpent who is crafty, and the uh, uh, you know. I don't know if she was a ventriloquist or not, but she was doing something with this divination, this witchcraft uh, that was bringing her masters a prophet but fortune telling. So, which is divination, which is witchcraft. Right? So this woman is now introduced into the story. Verse 17 and 18. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, In
2: that verse, is it possible that someone in a church, um, maybe not Christ um, center, but they call themselves a Christian, could have that spirit of divination um, and use it um, to, for power in the church? Or
0: yeah, good question. Because watch what we're going to read right now. Yes, yes, the perfect question for the perfect two verses coming up here. Uh, let's see. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out. Now notice, it's this woman is doing divination, witchcraft, fortune telling. She's following after Paul and us. She kept crying out, saying, these men are bond servants of the Most High God. Wait a minute. This is a woman whose divination, witchcraft, She's following behind them saying these men are bondservants of the Most High God. In other words, she's in a sense confessing that these are men of God. Listen to them. Now watch. Who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Why would she do this? Plot thickens. Verse 18. And she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. I would have liked to have seen Paul when he was greatly annoyed. <laughs> he was just ticked, right? He says he probably was, you know, giving her a little grace, she said, hope she goes away, whatever, but you know, it's kinda like the sermon on Sunday. The longer somebody taunts, the longer somebody's there, the more it's gonna bother you. Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit not her, to the spirit I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and it came out of her that very moment so Paul saw what was going on now here if she was confessing and saying these are followers of the most high God they're telling you about the way of salvation why is Paul annoyed?
2: She's
0: doing it as a trickery. Very much could be because that was what she was doing. She was a fortune teller. She was. She was. She was trickery. She was a ventriloquist. What do ventriloquists do? They trick you. They make you think somebody else is talking. Somebody else is doing something. The serpent. What is the serpent? The idea of the serpent. You know, the trickery. So Paul doesn't speak to her, but speaks to that spirit. Uh, that that she has because she knows, number one, she's involved in this fortune-telling, this witchcraft, it's divination, it is a spirit. He commands it to come out. And so even though she spoke correctly about who they are, Paul cast the demon out because she could speak against them once they left. Or she could now become part of the church and then go back to her witchcraft stuff and now introduce something else into the church and now what you have is it's kind of like uh, Catholicism over the years and, and other other forms of Christianity, not just not just Catholicism, but other forms of Christianity have witchcraft and different things that have come into them. You know, and and it's it's just it's just it's just crazy. But if you don't know better, you know, you think this is the real deal. And so that's the danger here. So, you know, he has to put a stop to that because he knows they're going to be leaving and uh, uh, once they leave, this woman is still going to be there. So, he casts that spirit out of her so she won't continue to do that. Thoughts, questions?
2: That reminds me um, when we went to Skid Row and Diego could talk probably a little more to this, but uh, we were handing out at that point um, bags of food to people and this lady came up and oh, she was dressed a little bit different and, and what have you but she says you know that was the message that was spoke was basically right on and and this is who I am and she the two guys that were next to her Ben said tell them tell them who I am and she was basically trying to make it like she was this prophet or something right Diego mm-hmm. and as soon as I read that I was like oh my god this is a lady from Skid Row and then somebody took to her and started witnessing to her so I don't know what happened from there but it reminded me of what was going on here
0: yeah uh chase a rabbit on that too because that's why when you're doing those kind of ministries you have to be very very careful because there's all kinds of stuff going on down there and you don't want to if you're going to take someone that is very young in the Lord, you need to make sure you're able to explain and protect them. You don't want to just say, "Yeah, hey, we're we'll all going down to skid row, and we're going to have dinner afterwards." And then, no, this is spiritual warfare. It's rough out there, and it's there's there's demon stuff. There's there's things that you just
2: I want to say. She said she was like expect. a Lord or a God or something like that. She referred mm-hmm. to herself in a, in a deity sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You don't want to say anymore on that? You have anything more? Yeah,
1: she was basically proclaiming to be the Lord. She was calling herself the Lord and she yeah. had both of them were to the right and left like a triangle. She was in the front and you were behind her, like disciples. Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, see that's now again see how do you deal with that? You remember one you have to realize this is spiritual warfare. This just isn't somebody this is this is a whole different deal going on here. So good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Verse 19, so he, he cast a demon out of her. Verse 19, but when her masters saw that their hope for profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which... It is not lawful for us to accept or to observe being Romans. And the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them, proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison, and fastened their feet in stocks. What was the real problem with these guys? They lost their income. They lost their income. They lost their cash cow. That was that was the for them. That was the big thing. But for Paul, the big thing was not the money that they were making. It was the spiritual damage that she could have done. But for these guys you know it, it was the, yeah they lost the cash cow they lost their income they lost money you know and uh there's nothing wrong with money it's the love of money it's that when that becomes the focus then it's a whole different thing nothing wrong with God prospering you nothing nothing wrong there um couple things here uh Verse 21, And they're proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. Remember, Christianity is not official religion. So technically, you can't, you shouldn't be or couldn't be uh, sharing the gospel unless Rome allowed it. That's why, again, at any given time for the first 300 years, If something went wrong, you know, they would just take Christians and throw them to lions and say, okay, we're we're, we're going to take care of it because Christianity is not an official religion. Uh, The crowds rode up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet. And stocks. He knew that he was going to have to take care of them, right? Okay. Any thoughts or questions on that? Verse 25. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them okay now what are they doing they are thrown thrown in the jail the inner jail and what are they doing crying calling their lawyer uh no having, singing praises to God. having a worship service having a worship service <laughs> <laughs> singing hymns of praise to god and the prisoners were listening to this because this is something different you know, you get thrown into jail and now you're, I'm, I'm out of here, I'm um, um, whatever. And these guys are praising God in jail. This has got to get their attention. Verse 26 And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Some earthquake, huh? And when the jailer. Had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Now, see, this was the responsibility of the chief jailer. That if 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 you lost those guys, your life was going to be, you know, on the on the hook here. So he realized he's in deep air and he's he's going to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Do not!" Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. So Paul stops this guy uh, from, from, from uh, harming himself. Verse 29, And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Obviously, he heard it too. Obviously, he's seen something going on here. This is like, you know, with uh, Peter. This happened a couple times to Peter. That didn't happen in in a vacuum. This guy was going to take care of himself because he knew what happened to the other guys when Peter was miraculously uh, released from prison. The the centurions came and took him. They beheaded him. So that's why he, he knew so, you know, they knew what was going on. So think about this in the context of you're hearing these stories and who these people are and, and, and what's going on. And now, you know, you hear these stories up over in here and, and these kind of things in different places. And now you're over here and you realize this thing is now spreading. This Philippi is right here. It's spreading to where they're at. And this, this, this thing happens and he realizes this is just like what, what happened with, with, with that guy Peter. A couple of times, you know, everything's loosened. And he says, What must I do to be saved? There's a doctrine statement, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved. You and your household believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, it's much more than just believe in the Lord Jesus. What do we believe? We're sinners, sin has separated us from God there's nothing that we can do to get back and right standing with god but if we're willing to confess those sins repent from those sins and believe in jesus that god so loved the world he sent his only begotten son to pay the price for those sins on the cross that's what you believe it's just not believing that jesus came you see that's that that's a whole different thing you know you're believing that the the power of salvation is in Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. And only God can can, uh, forgive sins. So he said, believe in the Lord Jesus. This is the gospel, all of it. And you shall be saved. Now notice, it says, and you shall be saved, you and your household. So, according to that scripture, does one person getting saved now save the whole household?
2: No, but I think they become the witness to the rest of the household. And if he's the head of the household, I'm sure he's going to start witnessing to his family of this is what happened to me. And
0: How sure are you of that?
2: Pretty darn sure. Pretty darn sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he also could be saying it's a foretelling of what's going to happen.
0: Scripture always reveals, right? That's why I always say, keep reading. Yeah, because if you just stop right there, oh, if one person's... And I've heard people say this. If one person saved in your household, the whole household saved. I've heard it. But see, that's just taking one passage and now building a church out of it. No, you can't do that. You know? Now watch, verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him together... <laughs> with all who were in his house.
1: <laughs>
0: so you just keep reading he says you and your house will be saved. He says, you know, you're going to hear about it. Or we're going to preach to your, your 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 family too. Right? Because what do you do as, a, as an evangelist when you when you're evangelizing and you say, you know, someone comes to you and says, you know, I need I need to be saved. What must I do? I mean, that that's that's a that's a perfect storm. If if you're out evangelizing, and then you know your your next thought is okay, let's let's go home. Let's talk to your family. Let's, let's let's share the good news with your family. So, so they spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds. And immediately, he was baptized. He and all his household, and he brought them into his house and set food before them and rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Because the gospel was preached to them all, as Adrian pointed out. So, again, Scripture uh, reveals Scripture. Scripture explains Scripture. But now we got a problem. The problem is these guys are out of prison and it was this guy's responsibility to keep them in prison. And now he takes them out of prison. He gets saved. But what's going to happen to him? Because he's supposed to watch them. Yeah, uh uh-oh. Verse 35. Now when the day came... The chief magistrates sent their policemen saying, release those men. So now the magistrate is saying to those guys, go get those guys in jail. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the chief magistrates have come to release you. Now, therefore, come out and go in peace. Huh? Come out and go in peace? But Paul said to them, They have beaten us in public without trial. Men who are Romans and have thrown us into prison, and and now are they sending us away secretly? No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. He was out, but now apparently they went back into jail, because if they didn't go back into jail what was going to happen to the jailer that just got saved in his household? He would have been killed. So now they go back into jail. See, they have already know God's doing something. God's working here. They've already been shackles and all that other stuff. So to go back, you know, just go back and preach the the gospel to the rest of the ones that are there. No, indeed, but let uh, them come themselves and bring us out. Thirty-eight, And the policemen reported the words to the chief magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Remember I told you, remember the thing about being a Roman? Put it in your back pocket. Just think about it for a second. It says that they were Romans. And they came and appealed to them, and when they had brought them out, they kept begging them to leave the city. And they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Let me go back and read it again, this time with a little bit more understanding. Verse 38. Now when day came, the chief magistrate sent their policemen, saying, Release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, The chief magistrate have sent to release you. Now therefore, come out and go. In peace. So obviously he went back in jail to make sure the jailer wasn't going to get in any problem. But Paul, verse 37, but Paul said to them, They have beaten us in public without trial. So Paul's not willing to let something go here. He says, They've beaten us in public without trial, men who are Romans. See, so they identified them when they threw them in jail as Jews. Paul says we are Romans. Paul was a Jew but he was also a Roman citizen and you could not publicly beat a Roman citizen. As a Roman citizen you were exempt from that kind of punishment. So this is what's going on here. He's calling the chief magistrates and everybody out saying okay something was done wrong here and this is what you guys did and if this word gets back out to Rome you're going to be in trouble for what you did because you publicly beat Roman citizens and that's against Roman law. That's what he's saying here. But Paul said to them they have beaten us in public without trial men who are Romans and have thrown us into the prison and now they are sending us away secretly in other words words, hush all this up Paul said, no. No, they're not going to do that. No, indeed. But let them come themselves and bring us out. And the policemen reported these words to the chief magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. See, now the magistrates are afraid. They got, they got two things to worry about. Not only their salvation, they got to worry about Rome. It says, and they came and appealed to them. And when they had brought them out. They kept begging them to leave the city. It's just go on your way. Just go, go. We're sorry. We're sorry what we did. Just go, 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 go. And they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia, who was introduced earlier. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them, and then they departed. And where do they depart for? We're going to find out next week. They go to Thessalonica. And that's where we're going to pick up the story next week. Thoughts, questions, comments. What time is it? Oh, I got time for questions. I got time for rabbit chases.
1: <laughs> uh, I, since we're since we have time, I actually wanted to uh, take a little side detour sure. and um, read an article that I was uh, looking at uh, the other day. Came out on CNET. And then um, it says, how to combat seasonal depression during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so it says here that, uh, so now we have some numbers. I, talked, I think I talked, we talked about this not so long ago. But uh, COVID-19 has caused a surge in mental health issues across the country with at least 40% of Americans reporting struggling with mental health in recent CDC survey. And as we approach, as we approach winter, Americans may also struggle with seasonal affective disorder. So it's called SAD. I don't know if you've ever heard of SAD, seasonal affective disorder. When it's cloudy, people get gloomy and they feel depressed. Right. And so, um... Happens the holidays a lot. Yeah, yeah, because there's cloudy. There's no sun, right? It gets dark at five, and, you know... So it's, it's a real thing. And, um... And so, you know... Uh... It's, you know... It's gonna get worse. Mm. So I just think it's interesting, you know, for us as a church, definitely our... An opportunity for us to go out and um, interact with these people because it, they're basically by causing everybody to stay home and not allowing churches to open and all that it's, it's just getting really bad and so thought uh, that was an interesting article. reason
0: a reason to pray a reason to again you know part of the reasons of opening the church up is 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 uh, uh, you know, weighing things on both sides, and you know, the longer you are closed as a church, and every church has to make this for themselves, this decision for themselves. But the longer you're closed, it, it's going to be the harder to reopen. And then with this kind of stuff, people are already being trained to stay home. And so, you know, we are we are commanded to congregate. We're commanded to come together, uh, and, and part of it, you know, has to do with sharing one another's burdens and praying for one another, and and, and, uh, and strengthening one another, and, and the teaching and all that stuff. You know, you just cannot do it at, at, at home. So the church has to be mindful of all of this and weigh all of these things, because uh, uh, on one hand, there's there's a, a fear there, and rightly so. Especially if you've got pre-existing conditions, or you know, we you know people, you know, in the, in the hospital, you know, with this, uh, and and so, how do you how do you handle that? And, you know, how do you still be the church? How do you still, you know, do we just stop everything, or do we find ways to be the church and get people back together and take precautions where we need to take precautions? And for me, it's just like if we don't move forward we're going to we're going to if we don't take one step forward we're going to take 10 backwards in the long run you know and so it's that it's not not doing it to go against the grain it's just to look at what are our rights constitutionally what is, what, what what does the bible say about it and to look at that and uh honestly, you know we need to come together but we need to be mindful as Diego's pointing out here that there are a lot of people that are just going to be holed up. And, and uh, even in best of years, the holiday seasons are, are are very rough on a lot of people because of losses. You know, they've lost loved ones or whatever it is, and now the holidays, which are supposed to be a joyous time, they they don't know how to, you know, interact with that. And so they... They push themselves aside, and then the other side of it is, yeah, days are short, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's whatever. That that affects people psychologically. You know, that's that's like uh, people that live in uh, uh, up north or even down south, depending on how the the you know, the earth is tilted. When you don't have that much light during the day, depression is extremely high because you're not out, you're not you're not doing things, that people we just tend to to shut down. So we need to be mindful of that and we need to find ways to reach them and look and see who might be going through that, you know, and how how do we handle that and how we go forth. But for me, I think as a church, we need to hit this thing head on. So we're here, we're open, and uh, I'm just looking to find some ways that we can go out and do some uh, (coughs) evangelizing where we we need to do that. We had to go through. And the things that we're, we're, we're dealing with, and and you know these guys were beaten, thrown in jail, and you know, uh, martyrdom and all this stuff, so that you and I can freely worship. And then somebody or something comes along and says, "No, you can't do that anymore." You know, you have to you have to weigh weigh that. You know, what is God doing and how is He doing it? But again, you know, you just can't recklessly be doing things. You do have to have some wisdom and all that. But it is a good, valid point. So next week, we're going to be chapter 17, if you want to read ahead. But uh, Thessalonica. And so the point here is, hopefully these epistles in these places become a little bit more familiar as you hear them and you see the context of when the letters were written and why they were written and what was going, going on. And what Paul was dealing with, you know, and what the church was dealing with and forming the church. And again, realize we're dealing with a very simple home type churches. There aren't organizations, there are not denominations, there are not you know, all oh, this this huge hierarchy. There's a there's a basically a hierarchy of apostles. That's that's a hierarchy. And they're now teaching teachers to teach. And making sure that every church has teachers and leaders and sound doctrine and that's what they're doing. So what should we be doing as a church? Make sure we have strong leaders teaching the sound doctrine and the gospel's got to go forward. So, yeah. As Christians, we are to share the gospel of Christ, make disciples, baptize, taught to obey all Christ's commands. That was given to children, right? That's the children's church. Which is uh, exactly what the big church needs. Exactly. You don't change a word, a word of it. But again, here's here's the important part. You, you don't take the gospel and water it down into words that you think a kid can understand. You tell them what the Bible says. Train a child up in the way he or she should go and when they're older they won't depart from it. In other words, you're putting a strong fabric you know, we used to call it in the old days a backbone behind it. You know, so it stands up straight, and so yeah, so that's good, good stuff.
1: Yeah, that children's uh, that children's uh, physical it called? Curriculum. Yeah. It's pretty hardcore, man. They don't they don't sugarcoat anything.
0: No, like you they neither, go
1: right into some pretty deep uh, words, and for an eight it's from eight to ten, I think or eight to twelve like mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's higher than than regular regular school teachers. You can look at the size of that thing. So yeah, I mean, that's no joke. Yeah. And there's DVDs and everything is crazy, but it's, it was a
0: yeah. good investment, I think. Yeah. And so, praise God. Thank you, everybody, for that. So,
2: what is that? I just pictures. That's screensaver. That's
0: screensaver. <laughs> scared me. It's a we going too fast. Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, uh, okay. Let me uh, close in prayer. Father, we just thank you again. We just thank you for what we've learned, what we've understood. Lord, what. Uh, uh, you're showing us, Lord, again, we want to see you, we want to see your church, Lord, we want to understand the times that we live in, we all want to understand how are we to preach the gospel, what is it we need to do to glorify you in everything, Lord, whether we're children, or teenagers, adults, uh, Lord, whether we've been in the church one day or we've been in the church all our lives, Lord, We we, we, we do as Paul says, we continue to press in, to this word, Lord. So, Father, it is my prayer that you continue to watch over us this week, guide us, strengthen us, encourage us, heal us, help us, do all the things, Lord, that you do, and you do so magnificently. This is why we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. See you Sunday.